Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. I want bold colors, red, white, and blue. America, I have seen Dag in the last several decades absolutely fray and decline. When I saw those guys on the boats, on their knees, I mean, that says a picture about America that I haven't seen ever before. He's woken up a group of people, Neil, that have gone ignored. And Donald Trump, to me, is the last hope for America. This country has such potential. I love the country. You have to have heart. You have to take care of women's health issues. You have to take care of poor people that don't have that they're never going to have a shot. And you have to take care of African-American youth who have never been in a worse position than they are right now. We are standing up for America and for the American people. There's a group of people in America that feel like they've been ignored. I know that for a fact. They feel like this country has let them down and the left has hijacked, and some of the right, has hijacked our nation. So this is what Donald Trump answers to. It's not anger, it's love of country. And they've all, all of the media is getting it wrong. You can't let the critics and the naysayers get in the way of your dreams. Adversity makes you stronger. Don't give in, don't back down, and never stop doing what you know is right. Nothing worth doing ever, ever, ever came easy. And the more righteous you fight, the more opposition that you will face. The people built this country, and it's the people who are making America great again. First jobs report of a full month of the Trump presidency showed the economy added 235,000 jobs in February. The unemployment rate dropped down to 4.7%. More jobs available than people available to fill them. Never seen that before. See that from the Atlanta Fed? They're predicting 4.8% growth for the economy. That's huge. If you've watched this program, you'll know we have a generational low for unemployment, an all-time low for African-American unemployment. That's historic. Treat the word impossible as nothing more than motivation. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider. Embrace that label. Being an outsider is fine. Embrace the label because it's the outsiders who change the world and who make a real and lasting difference. Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself and for his regime. North Korea is issuing a new warning to the United States. Korea warned of a super mighty preemptive strike. Getting a good picture everybody so we look nice and handsome and thin. Beautiful. They will work toward the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Breaking news, the U.S. economy added 304,000 jobs last month. That was way ahead of expectations, and it was despite a record-breaking government shutdown. Over the course of your life, you will find that things are not always fair. You will find that things happen to you that you do not deserve and that are not always warranted. But you have to fight, fight, fight. We are all Americans, and we are all united by one shared destiny. So I'm asking everyone to join this incredible moment. I'm asking you to dream big again. Dream bold, big and bold. Dream big and bold and daring. President Trump has ordered the Pentagon to pull all U.S. troops out of Syria. We can make our community safer, our families stronger, our culture richer, our faith deeper, and our middle class bigger and more prosperous than ever before. Alarmed by the new calls to adopt socialism in our country. America was founded on liberty and independence and not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free, and we will stay free. America will never be a socialist country. 
But we must reject the politics of revenge, resistance, and retribution, and embrace the boundless potential. We must choose between greatness or gridlock, results or resistance, vision or vengeance, incredible progress or pointless destruction. Tonight, I ask you to choose greatness. I am asking all citizens to embrace this renewal of the American spirit. Seize this moment, believe in yourselves, believe in your future, and believe once more in America. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. The forgotten man and the forgotten woman. You're not forgotten anymore. Well, hello, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to this special broadcast about the Dobbs case and the leaked opinion by Justice Alito that it certainly looks like is going to be the Supreme Court's majority judgment that is overturning Roe and Casey, even though the wording of the decision uh, has been undergoing editing, of course, as is normal for their process. I want to give you uh, a little bit uh, deeper understanding of what's going on here by delving into one of the key uh, arguments uh, that's being made, one of the key objections that's being made uh, by the other side and how the court is answering that objection. We're going to go into that. I'm going to talk a little bit about what's going on today in the U.S. Senate. And uh, I'm so grateful for all of you on Right Side Broadcasting, on our own Priest for Life and Abortion.tv, and on Getter uh, for joining us live today and on all the other platforms on which we broadcast, too numerous to mention right now. But welcome, one and all. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we ask you to bless all our viewers, their families. We lift up to you their prayer intentions, which they leave in the comments and which they have in their hearts. Uh, and Lord, we pray for America today. Uh, we pray for the continued growth of this great MAGA movement, the greatest movement in American political history. Uh, we pray uh, for continued blessings and strength on President Donald Trump, who leads this movement and uh, does so much uh, for the good of this country, does more, in fact, uh, for the good of this country uh, as a uh, citizen who's not in the White House, as the current occupant of the White House could ever do. As a matter of fact, who does more to repair the damage that the current occupant of the White House does uh, than, than anyone uh, has been able to do. So we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the role we play in promoting and preserving the greatness of America and for promoting and protecting the dignity of life, especially the most vulnerable, the lives of the unborn children. Bless us today as we move forward in this great struggle. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. So let's go right to the core here of uh, the point I want to explain today. And we have these various live broadcasts about the Dobbs case to help you understand it, uh, each of them focusing on one or another dimension of it. And the dimension I want to focus on today is how a decision overturning Roe v. Wade would or would not impact other rights. When we look at what the White House is saying, Brandon himself said this recently, it, that is overturning Roe, would mean that every other decision related to the notion of privacy is thrown into question. All right, so you get the argument? It's like, hey, everybody, you got to be worried about your privacy in every aspect of your life, because after all, Roe is being thrown away now by the court, and that's privacy. This right of abortion is guaranteed by privacy. And then he even said, well, what about, you know, gay children might be discriminated against in school? Contraception, that might be done away with. The right to marry whoever you want. All these rights and many, 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 many more. All right, so let's take a good look at this and see why this is a, an invalid argument. It is a baseless objection. 
So we go right to the draft opinion that Justice Alito authored, and that was leaked. Let me just read a little bit, because he refers to this very argument. He anticipates this argument, because the those arguing in the court on the other side brought up this argument. Oh, all our other rights are going to be in danger. So he talks about the right to engage in private consensual sexual acts, referring to various Supreme Court cases, the right to marry a person of the same sex. Um, and then he goes on to say, you know, in Planned Parenthood versus Casey, there's the so-called mystery clause. And that is that everyone has the right to determine his or her, his or her concept of meaning of the universe and of the mystery of human life. So it's called the mystery clause. In fact, let me go to the board here. I'm going to go back and forth and 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 illustrate some of this some of these points for you. 1992 Casey. Okay, so this is one of the decisions that is now overturned by the Dobbs case providing that the court sticks to its judgment, which I think it will in the Alito opinion. Uh the Casey uh decision had in it the mystery clause um, which really is a ridiculous, a ridiculous assertion that each person, and it's talking about liberty here, right? So the concept of liberty, each person has the right to define his or her concept of meaning and of existence and of the universe and of the mystery of human life. You know, when I first read that, I said, well, I can't even decide the weather. How am I supposed to decide the meaning of the universe? And furthermore, what if my decision about the meaning of the universe is that I can rob you or I can kill you? What happens then? Obviously, people do not decide for themselves the meaning of the universe. But this is how this decision is so expansive of the meaning of liberty. So Alito goes on to say, these attempts to justify abortion through appeals to a broader right of autonomy and to define one's own concept of existence, and here are the key words he says, prove too much. It's obviously too broad to be the basis for any kind of constitutional decision about our rights. They prove too much. He goes on to say, those criteria at a high level of generality could license fundamental rights to illicit drug use. Why not? I'm defining the meaning of my own life. Or fundamental rights to prostitution. Hey, why not? You're going to tell me I can't be free to do these acts with somebody else? None of these rights has any claim to being deeply rooted in history, first of all. But then Justice Alito gets to the main point that I want to make here, including by reference to a number of other Supreme Court cases. And that is abortion, which is the matter at issue here, is a unique act. That's the point. This is not hard to understand. Let me first read what Justice Alito says, and then we'll look at what some other Supreme Court decisions have said. He says in this, again, it's a draft opinion. We know that. He says, what sharply distinguishes the abortion right from rights from the rights recognized in the cases on which Roe and Casey rely, okay, there, there you're talk, going back and talking about for example, contraception. Okay, the Supreme Court had ruled a few years before that about the right to use contraception. In fact, two different cases, one giving that right to married people, another one to single people. Okay, the, right, the cases on which Roe and Casey rely is something that both of those decisions, Roe and Casey, acknowledged. Abortion destroys what those decisions call potential life. And what the law at issue in this case regards as the life of an unborn human being. He's talking about the Mississippi law. And then he quotes Roe, abortion is inherently different. Casey, saying abortion is a unique act. 
none of the other decisions cited by Roe and Casey involved the critical moral question posed by abortion. And therefore, they do not apply. All right, let me sit down and go into this a little bit more. When you read the history of Roe v. Wade, you see how the justices and their clerks were struggling to try to find what is the basis, because obviously abortion is not mentioned in the Constitution. So what is the basis for this so-called right going to be? You have to root it somewhere. And the word privacy is not there either in the Constitution, but they found this right of privacy uh, proceeding from the, the penumbra, the emanations of uh, the Constitution. And they cited these cases that had been decided only a few years earlier regarding privacy and rights of freedom in the context of marriage and sexual acts. But again, let's see, read again, remind ourselves what Alito says. None of the other decisions involved the critical moral question posed by abortion. Namely, can you end a human life? Whether you prevent a human life from coming into being, or whether you or how you have sexual relations with a partner, is a different question than ending a human life. Even the wording in so much of what the Supreme Court says about abortion talks about the right to choose to beget or bear a child. When I talk about abortion, when the pro-life movement talks about abortion, we're not talking about the right to bear or beget a child. We don't want to force anybody to get pregnant or have a child. We're talking about the so-called right to kill a child. There's a big difference. And the fact that language is so careless in this debate about bringing out that difference indicates the big blind spot and one of the reasons why we're not resolving this problem. The right to have a child or not. Are you going to have a child? Am I going to have a child? That right is not in question here. You want to have a child? What, 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 why should somebody else decide that? but you, in union with the person through whom you're going to have that child. It's your decision. Is that different from the right to kill a child who already exists? This goes back to our basic language about pregnancy, too. Somebody's pregnant, oh, I'm going to have a child. Oh, really? When? If you're pregnant, you already do. Oh, I should have the right to decide whether I bring a child into this world. Well, yes, that's true. But if you're pregnant, the child is already in this world. The decision is not whether to bring the child into the world. The decision is whether to throw the child out of the world. Alito says, the court turned to precedent. Okay, so decisions that have been decided in the past. Citing a broader array of cases, the court found support for a conflated two very different meanings of the term. He's talking about liberty now. The right to shield, uh, 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 rather, privacy. The right to shield information from disclosure and the right to make and implement important personal decisions without government interference. Let's go back to the board here. Okay, so he's talking about the court using this, this notion of privacy. Again, let me, let me uh, for those of you especially who are just joining us, the objection we're hearing from the other side, okay, even from the White House and from many in Congress, oh, you can't reverse Roe v. Wade because now you're going to take away all the other rights of privacy that we have. Nonsense. And then Alito goes into this, uh, in this draft opinion but from, by saying, you have, when you talk about privacy, can't reveal certain information. That's one meaning of the word. Secondly, no government interference
in my decisions, certain decisions. Okay. These are two different meanings of the word. Okay. You can't confuse or conflate these meanings because they're two different. The only one that could possibly have any relevance to abortion is this second meaning, government interference in decisions. So you can't rely as a basis for your so-called right decisions that are really talking about this, just not revealing certain information, which is private. So he goes on to give some examples. Only the cases involving this second sense of the term could have any possible relevance to abortion. And some of the cases in that category involve personal decisions that were very, very, obviously very, very far afield. For example, the right to send children to a religious school. Or, get this one, the right to have children receive German language instruction. Wow. That has a lot to do with killing a baby, doesn't it? You see the, the silly argument the other side is making here? If we tell legislatures that they can protect babies from being dismembered, we're threatening the right of children to receive German language education. No wonder millions of Americans are chanting, let's go, Brandon. This is a, a complete fabrication, a complete denial of reality. Pure and simple, friends, this is stupidity. Don't go along with it. Don't let anybody else go along with it. This is ridiculous. So then Alito says, well, what remains are a handful of cases having something to do with marriage, a case called loving, the right to marry a person of a different race, procreation, a case called Skinner, the right not to be sterilized, Griswold regarding married people using contraceptives, and Eisenstadt versus Baird, uh, the right of unmarried people to uh, use contraceptives. But then again, Again, Alito comes to the key point. Abortion is unique. We can't say it enough. Abortion is unique. He goes on to say, and I'm going to show you the quotes in a minute from Roe and Casey that say the same thing, and from another Supreme Court case. None of these decisions involved what is distinctive about abortion, its effect on what Roe termed potential life potential life you, you you can't just skip over that this is the whole problem when people talk in this debate about reproductive rights we're all in favor of reproductive rights we don't believe the state should should dictate whether a family can have a child or how many children they can have or like china does put a cap on the number of children you can have this is where we are defending reproductive rights. No, no, no. We're not talking about reproductive rights. We're talking about the, 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 the killing of reproduction. We're talking about the killing of children. That's different from the right of whether or not to have a child. Now, Roe and Casey itself, let me give you the exact quotes and the exact references, by the way, for those of you that want to do deeper research into this, because it's very important. Around the dinner table, you know, the court comes out, when they issue this decision officially, which we don't know what day that's going to be, all the discussions that are going to arise, a lot of them are going to revolve around this. We have to put this all in the context that abortion is a unique act. So I want to refer to three cases. Roe v. Wade, which came out in 1973. A, a case called Harris v. McRae. That came out in 1980, then I'll tell you what that was about in a moment. And then Planned Parenthood versus Casey, that came out in 1992. Okay. Did these decisions acknowledge the point that Justice Alito's draft opinion is making, namely that abortion is a unique act and that a decision reversing Roe and allowing the states to prohibit abortion would not take away your other rights of privacy? And the answer is yes, they did acknowledge that. So let me quote from Roe v. Wade, and here's the exact reference. For those of you that know legal research, you'll recognize this. 
410 U.S. 113, that's Rho, and 159 is the place in the decision where you read the following words. The pregnant woman cannot be isolated in her privacy. Now listen to that again. The pregnant woman cannot be isolated in her privacy. She carries an embryo and later a fetus. Now this is Roe v. Wade talking. And if one accepts the medical definitions of the developing young, that's what fetus means in Latin, in the human uterus, and it even refers to a medical dictionary, Dorland's Illustrated Medical Dictionary, 24th edition. That's old already. That's 1965. So they said, Roe goes on to say, the situation therefore is inherently different. Let me just, again, put a spotlight on this. Got all the references here. Roe versus Wade is saying that the decision about abortion is inherently different than the decision about privacy rights in other cases. So to have people like Brandon and others standing up and saying, oh, be careful, friends, because, you know, your rights are next and children who are gay are going to be discriminated and separated in the classroom. This is absurd. Not even Roe v. Wade agrees with that. The situation is inherently different from marital intimacy or bedroom possession of obscene material or marriage or procreation or education with which Eisenstadt and Griswold, Stanley, Loving, Skinner, and Pierce and Meyer were respectively concerned. Roe v. Wade is quoting these other cases and saying, hey, hey, this is different. As we have intimated above, it is reasonable and appropriate for a state to decide that at some point in time, another interest, that of the health of the mother or that of potential life, becomes significantly involved. The woman's privacy, again, friends, this is Roe v. Wade. The woman's privacy is no longer sole and any right of privacy she possesses must be measured accordingly. This is the constant blind spot of the other side. They say privacy, privacy, freedom, freedom, liberty, liberty, and completely cancel out the existence of the child. This is the blind spot that must be overcome. Inherently different is the case when you start talking about abortion. So, Abortion is legalized in all 50 states in 1973. And then, four years later, actually three years later, under the leadership of Congressman Henry Hyde, whom I was privileged to know while he was alive, he introduced the Hyde Amendment. You've heard a lot about that if you follow the pro-life movement. It has saved some two and a half million lives from abortion since 1973. Because what it does is it prevents Medicaid funding of abortion. So it's one thing for the government to say it's legal. That's morally wrong, but legally speaking, it's one thing for the government to say it's legal. It's another thing to say they have to pay for it. Does the government have to pay for everything that it identifies as legal or that it identifies as a constitutional right? Of course not. The government doesn't have to pay for your wedding, and the government doesn't have to pay for your abortion. This was the issue that came to the court, because as soon as the Hyde Amendment was introduced, the other side said, oh, no, 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 we can't allow that. Why? Well, because it interferes with business, you know, you take, you, 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 it interferes with the abortion business. So what happened was they took the matter to court. Well, the Supreme Court issued Harris v. McRae. Again, for those that are, want to do deeper research, let me put the exact reference, 448 U.S. Uh, 297. At 325, that's the exact location within the document. What did Harris v. McRae say? Let me read. It follows that the Hyde Amendment, by encouraging childbirth, except in the most urgent circumstances, is rationally related to the legitimate governmental objective of protecting potential life. Remember, Roe v. Wade says, yeah, you do have an interest in protecting the life inside that woman. Whatever you want to call it. We don't call it potential. We call it simply a human life. But you go on. It goes on. 
By subsidizing the medical expenses of indigent women who carry their pregnancies to term, while not subsidizing the comparable expenses of women who undergo abortions, except those whose lives are threatened, Congress has established incentives that make childbirth more attractive, a more attractive alternative than abortion for persons eligible for Medicaid. So the question is, can the government do that? And they say yes. They go on to say these incentives, all right, we're going to fund childbirth, we're not going to fund abortion. These incentives bear a direct relationship to the legitimate congressional interest in protecting potential life. Again, there's that interest in protecting life, Roe itself acknowledged. Goes on to say, nor is it irrational that Congress has authorized federal reimbursement for medically necessary services generally, but not for certain medically necessary abortions. So again, like, okay, people could say, the argument could have been made and was made back then. Well, wait a minute. If you're going to take away government funding from abortion, our funding of other medical procedures is now in jeopardy. Just like a person will say, if you're going to take away my right to abortion based on privacy, my other rights of privacy are in jeopardy. No, no, no. Because here's, here's the key verse in Harris v. McRae. Abortion is inherently different. They took the same phrase as it says in Roe v. Wade. Harris v. McRae said abortion is inherently, in other words, not just because we say so, but in and of itself, different. And then it goes on to say why. Abortion is inherently different from other medical procedures because no other procedure involves the purposeful termination of a potential life. Harris v. McRae, Supreme Court speaking. Let me say that again. Abortion is inherently different from other medical procedures because no other procedure involves the purposeful termination of a potential life. Fast forward a dozen years, and Planned Parenthood versus Casey reaffirms Roe, although not that enthusiastically, actually, if you read it. But here they come to the very same point. Let me give you the reference. All right. Planned Parenthood versus Casey is 505 U.S. 833. And the quote I'm about to read is from 852 within the document. And they say... These considerations, okay, so they're trying to balance, again, the interests of the woman, privacy and freedom, and the other interests that the state may have in regulating abortion, because this case was all about abortion regulations that had been passed in Pennsylvania. These considerations begin our analysis of the woman's interest in terminating her pregnancy, but cannot end it for this reason. Although the abortion decision may originate within the zone of conscience and belief, it is more than a philosophic exercise. This is so important. It is more than a philosophic exercise. Because remember, this same decision gave us that mystery clause, right? We can all invent. We can all invent the meaning of the universe for ourselves. What nonsense. But then it kind of sort of, puts a little bit of a break on that and says, no, 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 this is, the abortion is more than a philosophic exercise. And here's the quote now, abortion is a unique act. Okay, this, this is the Supreme Court speaking in a decision that upheld Roe v. Wade. Abortion is a unique act. What does Casey go on to say? It is an act fraught with consequences for others. See, the myth of pro-choice. Oh, it's my choice, my body, my rights, as if my choice is only going to affect me. Wake up, friends. The Supreme Court itself is saying it's an action that affects a lot of others. What does it say? Fraught with consequences for the woman who must live with the implications of her decision. Boy, don't we know that in the Silent No More campaign, right? I regret my abortion, and they tell us why. For the spouse family, and society 
which must confront the knowledge that these procedures exist. How do people feel when they realize doctors are tearing legs and arms off of living babies and crushing their, their, their heads? Procedures some deem nothing short of an act of violence against innocent human life. Thank you, Supreme Court, for acknowledging that. And finally, depending on one's beliefs for the life or potential life that is aborted. So don't talk to me, Brandon, about, oh, children who are gay are going to be segregated in school from other non-gay children because the court is reversing Roe v. Wade. Come on. Stop the nonsense. Oh, we're not going to be able to be free to marry who we want to marry. Oh, our privacy is going to be taken away. Your children might not even be able to study German. This doesn't even deserve the description of reasoning. It's not reasoning, brothers and sisters. It's stupidity. Abortion is a unique act. Fraught with consequences, Casey says, and depending on one's beliefs for the potential life, the life or potential life, that is aborted. There's the big blind spot in so many people's minds and in their language. So once again, Justice Alito, in this draft opinion, says, don't worry about the other rights. We're not here to take away the other rights. We're here to say there's something unique about abortion, which Roe said is inherently different, which, which Harris v. McRae, although Alito doesn't refer directly to this, but it says abortion is inherently different. And, and Casey itself, abortion is a unique act. Let me sit back down and continue to go through a few final points with you. So you see there's this big blind spot I think about uh, Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro, deluded Democrat from Connecticut, who uh, a number of times when the Pope visited America, she got together some of her deluded Democrat friends uh, who all vote pro-abortion in Congress. And they issued a big statement welcoming the Holy Father. They did this uh, a couple of times, actually, when Pope Benedict came and then when Pope Francis came. Oh, Holy Father, we stand with you in your defense of the most vulnerable. We stand for human rights for the defenseless. And I put out a public statement at that time, and I said, no, you don't. You don't stand up for the most vulnerable. The most vulnerable, in fact, are the ones that you consistently choose to abort. You consistently, you don't, you don't defend their rights. You consistently choose to deny their rights. But you see, how can they even say that? This is what, you know, should astonish us. How can some people, I mean, and these are people who have been elected to help write the laws for the country. How can these people with any degree of sincerity or intellectual honesty say that they're standing up for the most vulnerable of all when they're consistently voting to kill the most vulnerable of all? Well, it's a, it's a mental blind spot. How deliberate that blind spot is, you got to ask them, but you see the blind spot. And it's like, you know, the discussion on abortion, this is why the discussion on abortion for them, or they try to make it appear, oh, well, it's so easy. It's so self-evident. There's no question about it. Oh, well, yeah, when you factor in a second life, there is. When you factor in a second life. But you don't even want to admit that it's there. At least the Supreme Court even in these pro-abortion decisions, has had the honesty to admit, yeah, there's something different about abortion. There is a second life there, at least a potential life, or at least in the belief of many people. And that's why we shouldn't so easily allow it. Roe said the right to abortion is not absolute. And now the Supreme Court, of course, is basing itself on these very same recognitions to say... You know, it's up to the states, it's up to the legislatures to balance all these competing interests. Let's let them do so. We're not making a decision. We know that some states will balance the interests more heavily in favor of the child, others more heavily in favor of the mother. The court is simply saying in this Dobbs case, it's not up to us to do that balancing act. It's up to the states. Now, eventually, we want the court to go much further, and this will be for another day. When we will recognize, finally, 
that we must protect the unborn, that in fact they are persons and as persons are entitled to constitutional protection. That'll be the next phase of the fight. Right now, we've got to get away from this idea that there's a constitutional right to abortion, and that indeed seems to be the track on which we're on right now. So let me take some of your questions and comments. I see them over here in our, uh, in our Glenda is saying, we want our America back. Where do we start? And listen, Great question. We start with the MAGA movement. This is the greatest political movement in our country. We start by paying attention to what President Trump is saying and doing, building on and defending his accomplishments. That's why we started our show today with that beautiful video. And uh, my goodness, you know, we have a movement going. We start by getting rid of Roe v. Wade. We start by 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 acknowledging that the unborn can and should be protected in our country. Jeanette is asking an important question. Is codifying Roe even legal? Uh, so now this, this, this ties in with something else I wanted to tell you before we go. And that is the, um, for those of you that are watching live, by the way, I have my mass at, at 10 o'clock Eastern time, uh, another 20 minutes or so from now, I invite you to, to pray with me uh, uh, during the mass as well. Uh, but the Senate today is having a, a, a cloture vote. In other words, let's end debate and take a vote on a bill, which is the most extreme abortion bill in the history of the United States. It was passed by the House. It's been introduced over the years by the Democrats, always by the Democrats, the pro-abortion party. But it's never been passed up until a few months ago. It was passed in the House. This is the most pro-abortion Congress we've ever had, just like the Brandon administration is the most pro-abortion uh, presidential administration that we've ever had. And now the Senate is, is taking up a vote. They're doing it because they're, they're appealing to their base. They're not going to pass it because the, 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 the filibuster requires 60 votes to overcome, and they don't have 60 votes. Uh, but they want to put everyone on record. Well, listen, everyone's already on record. Essentially, if you're a Republican, you're voting pro-life. If you're a Democrat, you're voting pro-abortion. With ex in, 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 so few exceptions, you can count them on half of one hand. But, but the point is that the Senate is having this vote today, and they keep saying they want to codify Roe. Well, what that's referring to is the fact that Roe v. Wade is not a law, technically speaking. It's policy, but it's a court decision. It's not a law. And the court's not supposed to write policy, and the court cannot pass law. Uh, so that's what they're afraid of. It's like, well, wait a minute. If another court, like the one we have right now, seems ready to reverse Roe v. Wade, we've got to have some kind of safeguard against this. We've got to actually put this into the law. See, the abortion people couldn't get uh, the policy of Roe v. Wade into law because you know why? The American people don't support it. That's why they haven't been able to get it into law. Certain states have gotten these extreme abortion uh, provisions into law, but that's not because it's the, it, it, the the attitude that most Americans have. Most Americans, poll after poll, indicates they want serious restrictions on abortion. Uh, I, I, those laws in places like New York, New Jersey, Colorado, have gotten into place simply because the uh, Democrats uh, are, are are in control of the lawmaking bodies. But the bottom line here is that don't go along with this nonsense of this this term codifying Roe. Are they going to codify the fact that abortion is inherently unique act, that it is inherently different from other so-called privacy rights? Are they going to acknowledge what Roe acknowledged, that the states are in fact capable of, uh, pro of prohibiting abortion in the final months? Are they going to acknowledge, are they going to codify that? Are they going to codify that there are interests in the health of the mother, the rights of that developing life, whatever you want to call that life? Are they going to? No. See, they're not acknowledging that. And that's the point. They're not codifying Roe. Most people have a misunderstanding of Roe. They think they accept it, but they really don't when they find out that it's abortion until birth. Until birth? Brothers and sisters, while Roe permitted the states to prohibit some abortions, what the Senate is voting on today does not. So don't let them get away with saying, oh, we just want to codify Roe. See, this is where they're, they're, they're trying to do a PR thing. Instead of being accurate about what they're doing legislatively, they're just trying to conduct a PR campaign. Oh, everybody's with us on Roe. Yeah, well, no, they're not, first of all. And second, neither are you. 
You don't even want the limitations that Roe put on the right to abortion. Let me see in that law where it says the right to abortion is not absolute. These radical laws that the Democrats are, are trying to pass do consider it absolute. And they even want to take away your rights as parents to know about uh, uh, the abortion that your minor age daughter might want to have. Most states have parental involvement laws. A minor goes to get an abortion. Parents need to know about it before that abortionist can put his forceps into her womb and dismember her baby. You, the grandparents, have a right to know what's going on. They don't even want that. So enough with the nonsense about the, what they're trying to do. Okay. Do you have pamphlets or a quick read for teens? regarding abortion. Yeah, you know, we have a youth outreach at Priests for Life called Stand True, and our, our executive director, Janet Morana, just uh, wrote a, a book on uh, everything you need to know abortion for teens, and uh, our youth outreach develops some quick uh, summaries along those lines. Check out standtrue.com, and uh, we'll be putting more things. Now that Janet's book is out, it just came out, and we'll be doing shorter summations of that. So great idea, timely question. And, uh, you know, there's an amazing, actually, there's an amazing lack of information, lack of resources, specifically on abortion for young people. Some folks, even who agree with us, they feel like, uh, uh, you know, I don't know about talking to teens about abortion. Listen, you want to talk to them about abortion before somebody else does who wants to sell them one and who's going to do tremendous, great and tremendous damage. Okay, so let's see if there's other questions or comments that uh, that I can answer uh, uh, for you. Yes, Dennis, good point. Killing a family member is never okay. You know, that's one of the things John Paul II pointed out in his encyclical, The Gospel of Life, that makes abortion even worse than other acts of violence. Uh, because it's a family member killing a family member. And it's like, whoa, that's another level. It's bad enough that anyone kills anyone. This is, is even worse because in the, the family is meant to be the sanctuary of life. And this is where our duties towards one another are even greater than they normally are for human beings. Uh, uh, one of you is saying men have a role in this. Uh, amen, absolutely. Men have a role. The courts have not done a very good job in acknowledging the role of men, but men certainly uh, have a role in bringing a baby about. They certainly have a say in whether their baby lives or dies, and they certainly experience the pain that follows abortion as our ministries of healing experience uh, uh, every day and uh, bring that healing to them through Rachel's Vineyard, Silent No More, and uh, similar uh, programs. Tracy is talking about Real America's Voice. So uh, yes, I was on there again yesterday. Dr. Gina Ludon and others there are really doing, doing a great job, and, and I'm always happy to be a guest on their programs. Look them up, Real America's Voice. Uh, Father Dennis says, uh, please give us solutions on how to end this tyranny. Well, Dennis, two words, midterm elections. Uh, the primaries are going on right now. There were just primaries yesterday in West Virginia, Nebraska. Uh, ProLifeVote.com, we've got to register voters right now. It's key. we got to register voters. we got to get them out to vote for strong candidates in the primaries, then get them out again to vote in the general election on November 8th. Anything you can all do to get... I mean, our founders have given us a key solution to end tyranny. Right, and that is our electoral process. They've given us a tool. It is a real solution if we use it. You know this already, but this is what I would say right now is the time. Get more involved in the primary elections. It's not just about you voting. That's essential, but it's about getting others to vote, getting others registered, getting others to the polls, getting others informed, and we at ProLifeVote.com have a lot of practical tools, both in terms of literature and training, uh, that'll help you do that. In fact, Monday night, we have another training. You can sign up over there at ProLifeVote.com. We have a training on election involvement and volunteering. And uh, I would love to have each of you who are watching right now. I know we've got a great audience here on our End Abortion TV on Getter. God bless all of you on Getter. I hope all of you friends have a Getter account. Go to getter.com 
and uh, also on a Right Side Broadcasting Network. I would love all of you to sign up for our election training seminars. Again, ProLifeVote.com. Uh, You'll see the place to sign up for the seminar. Monday night is our next one. Uh, we do it by Zoom, very, very intimate. Uh, and we talk for about an hour about practical resources to help us help all mobilize more voters. So as I said, in about 15 minutes from now, I'll be on these same channels with Mass, uh, most of these same channels. And uh, thank you for joining me each day. You can see everything we're doing with broadcasting at endabortion.tv. So friends, I hope that this update on the Dobbs case on this particular point about the Dobbs case is helpful to you, especially, you know, I wanted to take a point that was being discussed in the, the everyday, you know, objections that you may be hearing from people about this and uh, give you some good ammunition to, to reply to those objections. So keep connected with us. We'll continue to do special broadcasts about this case and keep connected with us overall at endabortion.us. And also, may I ask for your support? Prolifegift.org is our donation website. And, you know, we we rely only on the support of people like you. So prolifegift.org enables uh, you to contribute to our work on a one-time basis or a monthly basis or whatever you want. Prolifegift.org. Please check it out and consider giving us some help today. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. And may he bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Frank Pavone here. Connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone, as many of you are already. And uh, we'll talk to you again very soon. Yes, I think we have Richard Lee. We have uh, Jim Garlow. And we have Father Frank Pavone, someplace there in the audience, so I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Follow him, Father Frank Pavone, FR Frank Pavone, on Twitter. He is the National Director of Priests for Life. Please go to priestsforlife.org. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.